Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Ricky Chino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. Oh, yes. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. Good Thursday morning to you. It is the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast. And we wake up this fine Thursday with much of the country under ice and snow in a world where there's still sirens and everything going off in New York City outside of SP3's house. But we also live in a world where CM Punk has suffered his first loss in AEW technically two of them in one match that went 40 minutes last night and he lost in Chicago he lost in Chicago that's like Carl Malone going in and beating Jordan who how about that finish too we'll get to that we will get to that Dan Lambert and Brandy Road squared off again last night why God why and boy, did this this Moxley and Brian Danielson storyline take a turn that I did not see coming. Did not see coming. Daniel Bryan, we thought, scouting John Moxley as an opponent. I believe it would be the first time they would have met one-on-one if they do square off. Since 2014, maybe? I think it was a live house show. 20, 2013. 2013. I believe it was a live house show for the United States Championship. They actually had Dean Ambrose defend that title, just not on television. Uh, so we will we will talk about that because maybe they aren't uh, going to be fighting. And yes, we will also be talking some some WWE. Uh, Shane McMahon making big headlines uh, on Wednesday. This story, just a lot of different branches, a lot of different avenues. Could mean a lot of different things. But the bottom line from what we know, again, varying reports. It was Ringside News who had it first. Wrestling Observer confirmed, Fightful confirmed, and when Fightful confirms, that's good enough for me. Shane McMahon no longer with WWE, quietly, quietly uh, let go. But before, before we get into that, Sid, you know, you know my Cincinnati Bengals are playing in the Super Bowl. In about, what are we, is a little over 10 days away now. The Cincinnati Bengals will be in the Super Bowl, which means there's only one football game left but have no fear for you online gamblers bet online is here there may be less football being played but bet online has way more stuff to bet on this playoff season from scores totals player performance props to where the next fired coach could possibly land bet online is the number one spot for all things nfl betting in 2022 and with the new year comes a new updated desktop and mobile website. Sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. That is B-L-E-A-V. And it's not just football. Bet Online's basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC odds coverage. It's the best in the business from sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet Online, your number one online wagering destination is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games bet online where the game starts and we are going to start today sp3 with our lead story shane mcmahon 
quietly let go. That is the the phrase that is being uh, ushered out quietly backstage, reportedly let go future endeavored release, whatever it is. He ain't collecting a paycheck from WWE anymore after some reported chaos at the Royal Rumble. His name was not reportedly on the producer call sheet, but he was heavily involved in that men's Royal Rumble, which is something we discussed this week was just an absolute train wreck. Uh, Reported a a lot of different changes that were being made throughout the day, even though they had Brock Lesnar penciled in as the winner. Shane McMahon, again, this is all reportedly uh, got a little upset that a lot of his ideas, SP3, were being shot down by Vince. The old man and son not seeing eye to eye. And that's that's not a work. That's a shoot. Not seeing eye to eye on a lot of things. Reports were that Shane McMahon was very preoccupied with his own positioning in the match. Possibly trying to set some stuff up for himself down the line. We know he wanted to work with Austin Theory. That match not going to happen now with Shane McMahon now gone. There's a lot of different ways to look at this. But when you you've read all the different reports, you hear... Shane McMahon causing issues with producers, throwing producers under the bus, uh, having issues with talent. I mean, it's hard to break everything down. We could spend an hour on this alone, on this, you know, half hour podcast that we do every week, every day. Um, your overall thoughts on on all these reports and 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 what it means, uh, what what you think really went down. Um, I'm of two thoughts. I just think that backstage at the Royal Rumble, the planning for the men's Royal Rumble was an absolute mess. It was a, yeah, it was a cluster to say the least. And they didn't have they. I think they had the idea of Brock Lesnar winning, but they didn't have anything interesting throughout the rest of the match to, to make it an entertaining bout and the poor reception from the fans, whether online, whether in, in attendance at the event has led to them having to find a scapegoat to blame these problems on. And so I'm of two thoughts where I believe that, yeah, probably Shane McMahon was the number one person who was causing problems, but I don't believe he was the only one. I don't think that you can have this chaotic feel just off one person pitching ideas for themselves. And I've heard about three different ideas. We heard the idea of Austin Theory. We heard the idea of Seth Rollins for the WWE Championship. We heard the idea of Bobby Lashley all within this week. Like, it's just, it's, I've never seen such like a twist in turns for anyone let alone the son of Vince McMahon but Shane McMahon and Vince McMahon they have always had a tumultuous relationship and have for some years it was over a decade ago that Shane McMahon left the company and it took him seven years to come back but he did come back so we've seen him leave we've seen him come back I don't think that this is a sign that Shane McMahon is going to go elsewhere, whether that's, you know, the people that want to say Shane McMahon to AEW confirmed or impact. He's going to buy impact wrestling. I don't think Hell, any I of saw, that. I saw people saying he and Hunter should start their own company. Of that's course, what... of course. But uh, what I think that the wrestle vaults tweet is alluding to is that this is going to have further ramifications down the line is that this is a very, 
uh, a very touchy uh, atmosphere in the backstage area, and especially when it comes to the family. The family has always been tight-knit. Like, when Shane McMahon left the first time, it was really because he wanted to go out on his own and try his own ventures, and he was able to do that, start his own businesses. This is a completely different situation where he's leaving off of, like, a chaotic, like, an argument. There's been a dispute. Your dad told you to go home. He doesn't need you here anymore. Despite having all these plans, all these creative meetings for, for your plans for WrestleMania, now he just tells you to go home. Then you got the whole situation with Triple H. After his cardiac event, you totally transform what he created in NXT. Now you're not happy with what you created there. You've got his best friend in charge over there, Shawn Michaels. But now we hear plans that there's no future plans for Triple H to be involved in NXT creative or the main roster creative. We haven't heard anything from Stephanie in the last couple of months. This is just a totally like everybody is which way this is a soap opera waiting to happen ladies and gentlemen and this is just the latest episode and a big time episode because you know Shane McMahon getting let go let go is a big deal don't let anybody tell you otherwise and I think that's what they mean because it's going to have further ramifications because this is an ongoing thing where the McMahon family seems to be splintering off yeah and did you get a chance to watch Nia Jax with Renee Paquette this week? No, but I've uh, I've read their quotes from the interview. Yeah, where where she was talking about how like over the last year things have just not felt right backstage, uh, and it had a lot to do with the the corporate restructuring, and it just there's just been this uneasy feel throughout the backstage, and I thought that was like the most like one of the most interesting things about it. And she said she felt honestly relieved. She was burnout, which is why she took time off. And then she requested more time off and ended up the next day getting released. And she said the first thing she felt was relief. Like, I don't have to deal with this anymore. And Renee said that, you know, look, this is something I've heard from a lot of the people who have been let go. So obviously there's, there's something that has been circulating backstage that is causing uh, this chaos, this, this unorganized mess that is WWE. And I think that's my biggest takeaway from this is, is, you know, you can focus on, on Shane McMahon. And yeah, I, I think you're right. There's a, there's a little bit of scapegoat going on here where he's the guy, he's the fall guy. We're going to say everything was Shane's fault and we're just going to let him go out the door. Look, the fact of the matter is, is WWE as a whole failed here. They failed to deliver on one of their biggest events of the year. One of the things that they should have had that they should be building towards. And that's a lot of what WWE does. It seems like everything is fly by the seat of their pants. Let's just get through the, this night and then move on to the next night and not worry about anything down the line. Unless your name, of course, is, and we've talked about this, Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch. If you're one of the, now Ronda Rousey, if you're one of like the golden yeah. five, okay, you know you got long-term plans and they're going to build toward whatever you want to do. If you're anybody else in the company, things could change at the drop of a hat. And they don't have any long-term plans. They they very rarely, you know, the let's see how it plays out, right? That's that's the burnt yeah. out line. Nothing ever comes to fruition out of those more often than not. Uh, we're, we're just sitting here crossing our fingers that Bianca Belair is going to get her payoff at WrestleMania 38. Um, Hell, they could stretch that all the way out and still have Becky Lynch win at WrestleMania 38, in which case none of this did any good for Bianca Belair. 
it's all part of the bigger problem with WWE. And it's like they there's there's chaos. They can't decide on what they want to do. If you had Brock Lesnar solidified as your Royal Rumble winner for two, three weeks, as per reports were, uh, the, the PW Insider report about Riddle might have been a little bit overblown. He might have been somebody whose name was thrown out there as a possibility, but might have been quickly shot down. If yeah. Brock Lesnar was a solidified winner, okay, you, 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 you got the most important decision done. The rest of the match should have fallen into place and been solidified by, at the very least, Friday. By, at the very latest, Friday. Why are you having these creative meetings and fighting and arguing over how you're going to construct the match up until the last minute, and then you give us this crap because you're having infighting between Shane and the producers and Vince and the producers and Vince and Shane. I'm disappointed in all of this, that they can't collectively come together and focus on the most important thing to the fans anyway. The most important thing to them is always their bottom line, and they have all that tied up. They are making fist loads of cash despite constantly disappointing their audience. And, and, and I say disappointing because, you know, more, and more often than not, the pay-per-views deliver, but it's the road between where we're constantly nitpicking and trying to find good things and sitting here going, man, if I didn't get paid to watch this, would I still be watching this? And we just hope that things get better and they're not getting better. And now they've screwed up one of their biggest things. So my biggest takeaway here is disappointment. The fact that they couldn't even piece together the simplest of storytelling in that men's Royal Rumble. We get all this stuff with the Street Profits and the Mysterios leading up to the men's Royal Rumble match. They ain't even in it at the same time. Dominic and Ray ain't even in it at the same time. Dominic Mysterio tossing out Ray Mysterio should have been the easiest and first yeah. elimination idea written down. And it did not happen. The only interweaving storyline conclusion that we had was Drew McIntyre returning to take out the happy folk and Sami Zayn tossing out Johnny Knoxville. That's it. That, that is it. We had inexplicable eliminations with Shane McMahon dumping Kevin Owens. What was the point of that? What, 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 what is that leading to? Obviously nothing now. Reports were that Shane was going to beat Kevin Owens to qualify for Elimination Chamber, so maybe that would have played in some way, somehow. You have Madcap Moss eliminate AJ Styles? Like, what are you doing? Nothing made sense in this match. It was just, here, let's get through it and, and get Brock out there and have him eliminate everybody, no suspense whatsoever, and send everybody home. It was... Look, the, there's one word I can think that I, I, I said it over and over. I'm just disappointed that there's so much dysfunction and so much chaos going back in creative that they allowed one of their best events to get screwed up this bad. Uh, I mean, I don't know what else to say. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite, it's quite amazing what WWE is able to do. Like I said, like when, when you were about to say the most important thing is to satisfy the paying customers, I was like, that's not to them. <laughs> to them, them. it's right. just signing those deals, making those money, cashing those checks. It's the bottom line at the end of the day. And, you know, it's quietly letting go. The son of the owner is just supposed to be kind of another day at the office. I, I do suspect Shane McMahon will be back with WWE at some point. Um, Maybe even later on this year. Who knows? This, this, could this, could all, 
this could all blow over and he could still have a match at WrestleMania. I don't know, to be completely honest with you, because I do think if Austin Theory is going to have a spot on the card, Shane McMahon and Austin Theory tying in with the Vince McMahon storyline makes a ton of sense. And that would be a nice little yeah. match for Austin Theory to have at, uh, at WrestleMania. I'm sure Shane would try to put himself over because, you know, it's all about building the younger talent. Um, but regardless, when it comes to this story, I also think there, there's two sides to it. It could have very easily been Shane was was trying to incorporate, you know, different storylines and change things to make the match better. And Vince was constantly shooting them down because WWE creative doesn't care about anybody underneath the, the, the golden five, like I said, uh, or it was Shane trying to go into business for himself and, and focus on his positioning in the match and setting up things for himself. And I know there was concerns with Bad Bunny. Uh, as well, that was one of the things where they kept changing his positioning in the match and didn't want that to reflect poorly on a, a major superstar that Bad Bunny is, um, which I thought his performance and his spots were some of the best ones in the Rumble. So whoever solidified his spot in it turned out to be you know one of the best things in the match. But the, again, the bottom line, the biggest problem WWE has is not building up or at least not putting in the effort to build up anybody on the roster to where the biggest pops for this men's Royal Rumble were Johnny Knoxville, Bad Bunny, to his credit, Shane McMahon, and I guess Brock Lesnar was the fourth biggest pop. Drew McIntyre also had a nice little pop, but everybody else? like I didn't even feel like Brock got that big of a pop. It was kind of like, oh, we knew you were coming. It wasn't yeah. even like a the, one of those surprise pops. So I, I, I think that we will know more about this story because, like I said, I, I can't believe this all the way from what I've known about Shane McMahon from people that have known him, from people I've interviewed, from people that have that have worked with him. He, I, I it doesn't seem like he's that type of person, and to to kind of go into business for himself. But at the end of the day, we have seen uh, I used to call in 2018 SmackDown Shane Down Live where it was all about Shane at that point. So I, this is also not you mean the first time. The you best can... in the world. I'm, 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 no, I'm not even, I'm, that's 2019. I'm talking about oh, 2018 yeah. when he was the baby face and it was all about him. And it was all about him and Daniel Bryan as like the main storyline, the, the, the GM and commissioner. Like, yeah, I was over it no, before even that. the best in the world whole thing. So it does. It did seem then like it was all about the ego of Shane McMahon. So maybe this is not. This is uh, something in line with that. So I wouldn't be surprised. Either way, I think this is a story that we're going to be talking about further as more details comes out. Oh yeah, there's there's definitely definitely some legs uh, to this story, and I'm sure more uh, will come out, and uh, we will discuss it here on the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast. Let's move on, shall we? It's time to answer the five count on the Believe Podcast Network. Before we do that, what I'm about to say might shock you, SP3, but the greatest quarterback of all time is not just a goat on the field. He's a goat when it comes to investing as well. And now you can invest like the goat with Masterworks. Masterworks is in the investing platform that lets you buy shares representing an investment in art from icons like Picasso, Monet, and Warhol. Art prices actually outpace the S&P 500 by 140, uh, excuse me, from uh, 100, 
164%, excuse me, I'm not used to reading out numbers as they're written, uh, from 1992 to 2021. In fact, early investors already received over 30% IRR in 2020 and 2021 from the sale of just two paintings. This is your opportunity to join in with 300,000 other investment members and invest like the GOAT. Plus, you can get priority access with our game day promo. Go to masterworks.art slash believe. That is masterworks.art slash B-L-E-A-V. See important disclosures at masterworks.io slash disclaimer. All right, SP3, as we uh, dive into the five count here, we'll start with number one live from Chicago, Illinois last night. It was AEW Dynamite, and we got a 40-minute main event. I said last week I would be surprised if this match actually happened, given all the shenanigans that MJF has gone through. Not only did we get this damn match, but they started the entrances at 9.15, and I'm going, holy hell, this match is going to get some time. It got some time indeed. We had a false finish. Uh, we had some callbacks to some to some historical spots, a little Rowdy Roddy Piper mixed in there with some work by MJF. Um, looked like he won using the tape, the choke job. Referee discovered it, restarted the match. And then at the end, we get some shenanigans with Wardlow coming down at the last minute. Didn't get involved, but did what it looked like reluctantly caused the distraction that provided the classic MJM, MJF finish, the dynamite diamond ring, the right hand to CM Punk, and one, two, three. Punk loses in his hometown of Chicago to a shocked crowd in the Windy City who braved a blizzard to go out and see their hometown boy shut MJF up, and it did not happen. So number one on the five count was MJF, the right call to deliver Punk's first loss in AEW, and what did we think about that finish? I loved everything about this matchup. This was a classic main event. Like, this was just old school, like, psychology, old school feel to it. MJF was just a perfect heel when it came to kind of just how he dictated this matchup, working over the arm, going after the leg when CM Punk got down on the leg the the uh i mean his selling of the neck after that poison rana was crazy and that poison rana had my jaw on the floor because cf punk landed on his head as well on that poison rana and then that finish you missed out the best part of that finish which they didn't show when it was actually happening live they showed it on the replay from the extra camera angle was that Warlow handed MJF the ring. When he went face-to-face -face with CM Punk, he did the behind-the-back, dropped the ring to MJF, and that's how he got the ring. That was perfect. Like, you, you thought he was conflicted. You were trying to figure out, is he going to side with MJF? Is he going to cost MJF? And no, he did his job. He got MJF to win without physically having to get involved. So that was perfect. This was a career-defining win for MJF. Some villains, like, need those. Like, MJF has had a couple of them. His win over, you know, Cody at Revolution 2020 was huge. His wins over Chris Jericho was huge for his career career but to, to beat cm punk 
in Chicago when CM Punk has had this long winning streak in Chicago. He is the hometown hero. Everyone, you know, is thinking going into this match, they see they're not going to happen or CM Punk's going to win. All those finishes, this was the perfect one. MJF continue on his way where I think now at Revolution, you kind of got to go to MJF versus Hangman Page. Like, that's how this career-defining, this solidified MJF as a top star in this, inju- in this industry and the best villain in professional wrestling today. Oh, he, he hands down. He's he's the top heel in wrestling today. I, I don't think there's anybody who beats him, and I don't know if there's anybody that's going to come along and knock him off anytime soon. The guy is just a master at what he does, and he does not care how he wins. He just wants to win, period, end of story. And I think my only complaint is, like, we've seen him win this same way a half dozen times already, and most of his big wins come with that Dynamite Diamond ring, but it fits to his character. And I think initially when the three count happened, when the Wardlow interference happened, I was disappointed because I did... I felt like that match deserved a clean finish, but I do, I do disagree with you here. I don't think MJF, I, I do believe he is the one who's going to knock off Hangman Adam Page for that AEW World Championship. I think that's already set in stone, and TK is going to deliver that down the line. I don't think CM Punk has taken this loss lying down. I don't think these two are done. I think we're going to get CM Punk MJF 2, and maybe even CM Punk MJF 3, at Revolution, there's what, about a month or so uh, to go before uh, that pay-per-view. Um, obviously, we know Hangman Adam Page will be defending the, the the championship next week against Lance Archer in a Texas death match that everybody and their brother expects Hangman Adam Page to retain the title in. So he, he'll need an opponent for Revolution, so maybe it's MJF. But I, I still think there's a lot of meat here still on the bone to continue this story just a little bit longer. You can get another opponent in there uh, for uh, for Hangman Adam Page for Revolution, but yeah, I do think by the summer, uh, MJF is gonna is gonna take that title from him. I've I've said before, I thought it I thought it, it would happen at Double or Nothing. MJF and Hangman Page, they have history there. The first Double or Nothing, they were the final two in the uh, Casino Battle Royale. They were the first two that had like interaction with the AEW World Championship. So to kind of go full circle three years later. They're the main event. It would make sense. So, uh, but like this win was just huge for him where you can kind of pause the feud for now and come back to it later on. I would love for them to have, you know, a rematch at Revolution. I would totally be down for that. And they've kind of already kind of positioned Adam Cole with his matchup on Rampage against Evil Uno. That kind of seems like it's going to be the setup for him going after Hangman Page for the AEW world title. So you can go there. I would love I would love for them to have a rematch at Revolution and then finally I think their their third match their trilogy will end at All Out back in Chicago this time for the AEW World Title. I do also I do also disagree with you. I still think that um that Wardlow was conflicted. Like I know he wanted to you you think maybe he wanted to look conflicted just so he could pull off the ruse and, and get the ring over to him. I, I think he was actually, I think, yeah, he was, he was getting in CM Punk's face so he could slide the ring, but I still think they're, they're doing that slow burn with Wardlow here where he did not want to come down and get involved and do that. And I thought he oh, sold yeah. that perfectly. I thought he sold that perfectly. And again, it's just continuing that burn. So maybe for a few weeks we get punk going after Wardlow 
for costing him that match, and that could open up MJF uh, to slide into that role. But either way, yes, this is a a big career-defining win for MJF. I do agree it was the right call. CM Punk, his first loss in AEW, it wasn't something that you needed to really kind of drag out uh, much further. I think Chicago was the perfect place to do that. And by the way, who would have thought, who would have thought in the same week we would get Angelo Dawkins, the hometown hero from Cincinnati, Ohio, winning a one-on-one contest for WWE in his hometown and in AEW, the place that makes hometown heroes the stars of their show, celebrates their returns. We have CM Punk lose in Chicago. Who would have thought that would have happened? I mean, because one company does this all the time with the hometown heroes winning this one we will remember as yeah. but angelo dawkins beating dolph ziggler in a three-minute match on monday night roll in cincinnati no one will remember by next monday night i'll remember damn it no you won't i'll remember no you won't probably not i'm just gonna I'm, I'm just gonna ask you on next monday i'm gonna be like you remember what you're supposed to remember rick and you're gonna be like no i don't remember after after the two week I actually got to see my wife and son today. Uh, for those who don't know, I've been in the hospital for, for two weeks now. So my life has just been an absolute whirlwind. My wife asked me what day it was, and I got the answer wrong three times. That's where I am mentally uh, right now. So hopefully within the next week or so, I'll be back on my A game and really bringing it sp3 i almost called you mjf again i've done that before on this show i get confused by by three letters and and whatnot so uh again that's where my brain is right now i was uh very very excited about the the i guess we'll call it a face-off between one john moxley and brian danielson this evening after moxley defeated wheeler yuda uh, in the opening contest tonight, that was supposed to be the Brian Kendrick in that matchup, but he had the quickest exit from AEW history uh, today after some old comments and footage and things of that popped up ahead of his match tonight. Tony Khan quickly taking him out because of those comments. We're not going to focus too much on that uh, because the big story here was Brian Danielson coming in after the matchup, after John Moxley got the win, and everybody thought that Brian Danielson was scouting John Moxley for this big one-on-one match. And that is not at all what the American Dragon had in mind. He offered to team up with John Moxley to, to take down the, the jokers, he said, calling my boy Danhausen a joke, saying that there was a millennial cowboy as the AEW world champion, a, a glorified vlogger as the TNT championship, saying the tag team division wouldn't stand a chance against Brian Danielson and John Moxley. These two could team up, team up, and take some of the young talent like Daniel Garcia underneath them and groom them and take over AEW. And by the way, John Moxley's facial expressions while he's saying this were just absolutely gold tonight. That man delivered. Uh, didn't even say anything during this exchange, and he absolutely delivered with his reactions. And the more Brian Danielson talked SP3, the more I'm sitting here going, you know, damn, I I, I kind of want to see this. I kind of want to see this. So number two of the five count, would you rather see Mox and Danielson fight or would you rather see them team up and take over AEW? Um, If it's if it's what 
Brian Danielson had to say, he sold me on them teaming up. If they <laughs> if it's a if it's a stable with Danielson and Moxley recruiting Wheeler Yuta and Daniel Garcia and my boy Lee Moriarty and yeah. making them into the beast of future of AEW. Oh, I am all for this. This is something that Brian Danielson has talked about off off of uh, camera and interviews. So this is I I love this idea, and I love the fact that this is just proof positive that Brian Danielson is one of the best talkers of this yes. era. Like, he is yes. just so good. Everybody and their mama wanted to see Moxley versus Danielson, and I'd be damned if Brian Danielson didn't, conf didn't convince at least half of us that you want to see them now team up with each other, and that is the brilliance of him on the mic. He knows how to use his words and dictate how the crowd feels in such a magical way. And, and it's crazy to think that this was a guy that a couple of years ago, people used to say, Brian can't cut a promo. Get the hell out of here. Brian Danielson was the victim of bad writing, as were so many other people and still are so many people inside of WWE. And now he's 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 free to fly. The dragon is free to fly. And yeah, his promo is fantastic. And here's my answer to the question. Why not both? I say, why can't we do this team up for the next year, 18 months, whatever it is? Give me a spot, right? Give me a spot in time where John Moxley is the first ever two-time AEW world champion. Brian Danielson is the TNT champion. And Lee Moriarty and Daniel Garcia are the tag team champions. All right, let's just give them all the damn gold. Call them the real wrestlers if you want. I don't care. It's a terrible name. I just threw it off the top of my head. But that's what I love the most about this is Brian Danielson's, he called Danhausen a joke, right? And he called some of these other guys jokers, right? Because he's all about being really good at professional wrestling and loving professional wrestling. And if you've listened to Daniel Bryan talk about, excuse me, Brian Danielson talk about professional wrestling, slip of the tongue. Sorry, SP3. If you listen to him talk about professional wrestling and his love for it and the art that it is, and you listen to John Moxley talk about professional wrestling and his love for it and the art of it, they sound very, very similar. These guys think a lot alike. When it comes to the world of professional wrestling and the more I think about it, the more this makes sense to just conform this super faction, bring up these young guys, elevate these younger guys by just being associated with John Moxley and Brian Danielson, elevates them up to the next level, push them as well, and just own AEW for a year to 18 months. And then when it implodes, then we can get that Mox and Brian Danielson matchup. Uh, people don't got patience for that. 18 months. Nah, nah, geez. They waited um, two <laughs> years for Hangman Adam Page to become AEW world champion. Yeah, of course. Of course. Of course. Because AEW told a great story there. And I'm sure they will tell a great story either way. But like I said, I I'm down for them teaming up, especially if it's bringing up guys that I feel deserve more of a spotlight, like Lee Moriarty, Daniel Garcia, and Willie Yuta, who had a very solid matchup with Moxley in this match. And God. God damn, John Moxley, you are in an impressive shape right now. Yeah. He's just in shield shape form. He, dude, he's more than that, man. Like somehow he's shield skinny, but like still jacked. Like he was a scrawny thing back when he was in the shield, man. Like 
that vest was like doubled his size when he would wear that down to the ring. Somehow he's got the, 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 the Dean Ambrose waist and the John Moxley chest. And it's just, yeah, he looks good. He looks great. And the, the work that he's doing in the ring has been fantastic. It's amazing what just getting healthy can do for somebody, you know, and, and kudos to him. I hope he, I hope he keeps with it, whatever, whatever they do. And this is a win-win situation, whether Mox and Danielson fight or they team up, we win. Can't say the same thing for something else we saw on the show. Wasn't really a matchup, more of a battle of words, I guess. Yeah, Dan Lambert and Brandy Rose squaring up. Uh, Brandy Rhodes, not Brandy Rose. Mandy Rose, Brandy Rhodes, whoever her name is. Squared off against the mic again. After the first time, they decided, yeah, we want to do that again. We'll give it another shot. This is actually a very Dan Lambert heavy show. SB3, why'd they do this again? I don't know who told them this was going to be a brilliant idea, especially in Chicago, man. Like, I saw Brandy in the ring, and I was like, oh, man, this this is not going to be good because Brandy comes off like a heel. Like, she just does. And that, that's where she's more she's most effective. If she tries to be a baby face, it just doesn't come off. And then Dan Lambert, the fact that you can get Dan Lambert cheered should tell you something that yeah. this, this is not yeah. a good this is not a good baby face and she was kind of rattled by the the vocal and loud uh shut the f up chance that she got this was a complete I th- I and utter think- train wreck i was over this whole entire segment before paige van zandt came out and i was like all right if this is for paige van zandt this is fine paige van yeah. zandt versus brandy rhodes you got two names. Brandy Rose is on reality TV. Paige Van Zandt is this influencer online, as well as being an MMA fighter. So this will work as far as getting mainstream pub. But Dan Lambert talking down to a woman is just so cringe. And the fact that he was the baby face in Chicago made it even more cringe. It made me not want to look at the screen for a lot of this. <sighs> I think when the crowd was yelling at Brandy to shut the F up, I think they were actually louder then than they were cheering for CM Punk. Like, it was so deafening when they were telling her to shut the F up. And here's the sad thing about this, is there were actually some really good one-liners in it. It just wasn't enough to save it. Brandy's line to Ethan Page about saying, we only got you here to get to Josh Alexander. That was really, really good. Uh, Dan Lambert talking about, I thought his line at the end until like, I'm trying to get this exactly right, where he was eventually going down in the flaming, uh, the flames of glory of cancel culture or whatever the <laughs> hell it was that he said. I thought that was absolutely incredible. Um, and Dan Lambert can talk and has some really good stuff. And you can tell he's a wrestling fan when he does his promos. He loves to dive back into history. And sometimes he has some really good things to say. I thought this drug on a little too long. I thought they could have, if this is what they were going to do to eventually get it to to Paige Van Zandt, I think they could have shortened it up significantly, made it a couple of minutes max, dropped in your few one-liners, and then all of a sudden here comes Paige Van Zandt. Actually let them fight just a little bit before the entire women's locker room, which you clearly had in gorilla position, ready to run down, ran down there. Um, It just, 
there were a lot of little things and a lot of big things about this that didn't work. But in the end, they're setting up Brandy Rhodes versus Paige Van Sant. And I'm all for that. I think there's a lot of much better ways that they could have gone about doing so. Um, but yeah, I mean, you live and you learn. And, and hopefully there's not a third. There's not a third time. Okay, you tried it twice. It didn't work. Let's hope there's not a third time, SP3. Um, and by the way, Brandy's with the I. It's not Brandy, like the singer, the R&B singer. Boy is mine. Have was, I told you? Was, was I told my you jam. where my brain is right was now? Was my jam? No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just pointing you it want out. Me to edit it? I'm, no, it's fine. It? it's fine. It's fine. There we go. It's fine. But it's all, I, all I will edit say, it. there we go. All I will say is that this was this show had wrestling that was good to classic. That MJF and CM Punk match was classic. The tag team match was really good. good. House of Black versus uh, uh, Death Triangle was really good. Nyla Rose and Ruby Soho turned out to be a really good matchup as well. And the promos outside of this one were really good on the show. And Danielson was great. This was just like the the redheaded stepchild of this episode of Dynamite. Yeah, it was either excellent or terrible. Much like Patrick Mahomes past Sunday in the AFC championship game, going from a first half QBR of like 98 to a second half QBR of 1.2. That's, that's, that's what this episode was. It was, it was Patrick Mahomes in the AFC championship game. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't because the second, second half had MJF and CM Punk for 40 minutes. How, how dare you be disrespectful? Don't, don't do that. Don't make this. Okay. So it wasn't an exact comparison, but Hey, if I can get away with trying to do something where I can talk about, we just had to watch, we just had to watch the Royal rumble. We just had to run. That's that's Patrick Mahomes, ladies and gentlemen, because the woman, because the, because the opening match and the woman's Royal rumble were good. And then it fell off a cliff and the sun burned (laughs) while it was going down the cliff. Like, how you gonna say this show that had one back segment in the first in the first hour that had nothing but good good wrestling around it? It was just like I said, it was a redheaded stepchild. You know, you go around the class and you be like, "What's one plus one? What's two times two? Everybody gets you know four, two, four, and then you ask the one kid, "What's what's twenty times one?" And he's like, "Oh, two, two, two hundred and one." That's that's Dan Lambert and Brandy Rhodes promo exchange. One thing I do wish, by the way, I wish Pac would have kept the blindfold on for the entire match. I would have been down with with Pac Murdoch. Yo, I was like, he's Daredevil. As soon as he got in the ring, I was like, oh man, he's Daredevil right now. I loved it. I loved it. When he took it down, I actively went, oh boo. I actually booed at my screen when he took the blindfold off. I was like, I'm loving this. I am loving this bird box daredevil version of pack. If he, as long as he could see safely with the blindfold on, which it seemed like he could keep the damn thing on probably better wrestling in the blindfold, by the way, than it is with an eye patch. Probably as long as you can see through the, through the blindfold, at least you got both eyes. Your depth perception is there. It's like, like I said, as long as you can do it safely, I would have been totally down with Pac Murdoch. I would have been, uh, you could have changed his name to Pac Murdoch. It would have been great, but they gave us a little taste of it. And that's, that's really all I can. Uh, that's really I, I'm ready for Pac versus Malachi Black after that tag match. Their exchanges were fantastic. And I can't, yeah. I hope they give us that uh, revolution. So SP3, I want to ask you something real quick before we move on to number four. Have you ever been like, shopping 
online, right? Like you, you're going to, uh, I don't know, pretend like you play golf, right? And you're looking for a new driver and you, you go to Dick's Sporting Goods and you're searching, you're doing your Google search for a new driver and you, you find one, you buy it and everything's great. And then all of a sudden you go to Facebook, right? And what do you see? You see like 10 ads for golf clubs, right? Because some third party is looking at your internet history and going, hey, Maybe you want to buy these golf clubs or these shady golf clubs. And all of a sudden, every time you go to a website, you got golf clubs all up in your face. All right. We're, we're going to try to help you alleviate that problem. And that problem is, or the, the alleviation, I should say, is a virtual private network. And we're talking about NordVPN. It encrypts your internet traffic and hides your IP address. With NordVPN, third parties cannot spy on your online activity. That includes your own internet provider so boost your online privacy and security no need to worry about any unsecure websites or apps by the way you can hook your phone up to this total protection for your data and you can grab your exclusive nordvpn deal by going to nordvpn.com believe or use the code believe that is b-l-e-a-v get up to 70 percent off your nordvpn plan plus one additional month for free it is also risk-free with nord's 30-day money back guarantee so make sure you again hop on to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the promo code b-l-e-a-v 70 percent off up to it and one additional month for free. Let's move on to number four here. We're going to go back to WWE this week again. A lot of fallout uh, from the Royal Rumble and from Monday Night Raw. As it does appear, we'll find out for sure tomorrow night whether or not Ronda Rousey is going to choose Charlotte Flair as uh, the internet rumors and reports have suggested, which would then open up Becky Lynch, who is going to be fighting Lita at Elimination Chamber, to most likely fight Bianca Belair. Hopefully you have hopefully either way. They're on a separate brand from the woman I want to talk about right now, because if Ronda Rousey is going to be fighting Charlotte Flair, because remember heading into the Royal Rumble, especially after her triumphant return on SmackDown, we thought clearly they were setting up Charlotte and Sasha Banks. Well, if it's going to be Ronda and Charlotte at WrestleMania and Becky apparently is secured elsewhere. Number four on the five count here. Where does that leave Sasha Banks and how does she fit into WrestleMania? Because you can't leave somebody the caliber of Sasha Banks off the card. Easy, ladies and gentlemen. What do they always do with these top stars that are left out of the title picture? There's another title for that now. The mm-hmm. WWE Women's Tag Team titles, which will probably get some type of tag team turmoil with the champions, Queen Zelina and Carmella. You can throw in the the Bella Twins making yep. a WrestleMania appearance. You could call. You could give Sarah Logan a call and give us the reunited Riot Squad, and then a fourth team of Sasha Banks and the returning Bailey, the Golden mm. Role Models in mm. that in that matchup, and they go full circle three years later after they lost their first women's tag team titles they win those titles back for the third time and come the most decorated women's tag team in wwe history that again this is if bailey is healthy enough to do that and if that's what they decide to go okay you know what i'm fine i'm actually really encouraged by that 
because the last time, and this is no offense to any of the, the champions that have had the belt since then, the last time those titles felt like they meant something to the company is when Sasha and Bailey had them. Yep. So that could really, really boost the tag team division. Although there is part of me that is thinking, well, if Ronda Rousey wins the SmackDown Women's Championship, boy, it would be nice to have Sasha in as a singles competitor to run that matchup back because Sasha and Ronda was arguably Ronda's best match in WWE to this point. That match slapped, and I would hope yeah. that that might be something they could go after. So I agree with you. I would be fine with that, and I, that would give me faith with the women's tag team division that they have plans to move those titles forward. And I also agree with you on one other thing. Please, for the love of, back, love of God, bring back Sarah Logan full-time because you need tag teams. The Riot Squad were a great tag team. You can rename them. Obviously, Liv Morgan loved the fact that she was back. She's, Sarah Logan is one of the most underrated women that they had on the roster at the time when they, when they let her go. And so many people backstage were like, Dude, what are you doing? you got to bring her back when she was let go. Um, if she does want to return, obviously, you know, she's a new mom. Who knows if she wants to go back on the road full time? Her husband's with the company, though, so there, there's still an avenue there. Problem is, he's a SmackDown superstar, so you'd have to, you know, finagle some things. But I would hope that they could bring them bring back an actual tag team partner for Liv Morgan and bring Cameron back as well, by the way. Bring her back full time. Get the Funkadactyls, but rename them for the love of God. You can incorporate Cameron into the Sonya Deville storyline, and I'd work them in there. I would do a fatal four-way at WrestleMania. I would do Queen Zelina and Carmella. They don't have a team name, do they? They're just Queen Zelina and Carmella at this point. Yeah. I would do Queen Zelina and Carmella. I would do the Funkadactyls. I would do the Riot Squad and the Bellas. That would be my my four-team turmoil. As As far as Sasha Banks is concerned, Lita's, she wants to do this one more run, right? She wants to do this one more dream run, right? She loses uh-huh. to Becky Lynch at Elimination Chamber. I know it's a little close, but why the hell not? Just run back, run, run Lita and Sasha Banks at WrestleMania. Why the hell not? I thought we were talking about realistic options. They, they're not going to run three singles matches across two nights at WrestleMania with other women. They just, I, I haven't seen any proof Sasha that, Banks, this company, they might. That, this company, that this company will. I don't, not even, Sasha Banks, man, they ain't care about no Sasha Banks. Like, uh, this woman that, that never defended the title successfully until until we went into a pandemic. Like, come on. Like, like don't tell me that. I thought we were talking about realistic options. If we just if we just throwing out options for WrestleMania, give me Sasha Banks versus Trish Stratus. That's the match she really wants. That's the match she's wanted for years. Give me that. If we just throwing out options, I thought we was talking about realistic options. I I like this. Fantasy booking doesn't always have to be very realistic. All right. I like the odd the idea of Lita getting a match at WrestleMania because she's only had one in her entire career, which is a damn shame and a crime. And if Sasha Banks is available and open and ain't working on anything else, I'm looking at, okay, Lita's here. She's doing this run, this, this, this dream tour. She's getting the dream match with Becky Lynch. All right. She competed at the Royal rumble. Why not finish it off with a match with Sasha Banks at WrestleMania? That's I would look at it as an option, but yes, you are right. It's probably asking a little too much for WWE to do three singles women's matches 
even across two nights at WrestleMania. But I would hope that they would do that. And also, also, it's like Lita, you're just coming back to lose to everybody. Like she lost in the Raw Rumble, she probably lose to Becky, and then you wanted to lose to Sasha Bay. Like the more, uh, also another realistic option would be Lita and Trish being involved in the women's tag team titles because that's yeah. more star power for that matchup. Like I think, and that's think honestly, that's honestly. More- that's probably more realistic than Sarah Logan and Cameron coming back to be completely awesome. honest with you is they get is they get Lita and Trish to compete in the women's tag team match with the Bellas. And then if Bailey is healthy. Bailey and Sasha Banks, that's probably the match. Yeah. And I, I honestly don't know who would win. Maybe Bailey and Sasha, but also the Bellas because they were promised a tag team title run at one point uh, in their in when they were first yeah. there. So that would be a really hard match to uh, predict. Uh, before we close out the show uh, today, wait, 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 hold on, hold on, people. This this man just said WWE cares about Sasha Banks after the Royal Rumble. I I, I didn't even f- remember to bring up that. I brought up they the fact know she's she a never star, defended though, the title. Man. This woman wasn't even in the Royal Rumble for ten minutes. Ten minutes, and then Bianca Belair came out right after. Oh, didn't we? We, we we've established that the Royal Rumble was a train wreck right like there were there were still some things while i did enjoy the women's rumble a hell of a lot more than the men's rumble we did establish though that there were some confusing points in that women's rumble spot and yes uh, that's sasha banks did i tell you my brain's all over the place all right damn it man come on uh yesterday was an important day for a number of superstars who were released uh from wwe 90 plus days ago now means they are officially free agents we're talking about people like Killer Cross, Scarlett, Keith Lee, Mia Yim, Athena, a.k.a. Ember Moon. Very interesting to see where these people are going to end up. Number five here on the five count as we close out real quick. SB3, if you could pick one of those, because that is a lot of talent. That is a lot of talent that was inexplicably either wasted, underutilized, misused, and then tossed aside by WWE. Of those now free agent wrestlers, who are you most excited to see what they do next? Uh, the two that springs to mind, or three that springs to mind for me, is Keith Lee, of course, because he's just amazing, and he, he's just a top-notch performer that was just underutilized when he got called up to the main roster. And I want to see the Bearcat? I want to see him flourish somewhere outside of that WWE system. Uh, Athena aka ember moon because i thought the only issue that she ever had was when she was in nxt or on the main roster trying to play this ember moon character i think that she's one of the best female in-ring workers in the world today i think i just thought she wasn't working that that character didn't work with her so i'd rather her be athena be herself go out there and tear it up She's already got a big a big match on the independent scene with Thunder Rosa for Warrior Wrestling yes. this month. Ready for that. So I'm excited for all those things. And then the third name I got to mention is Killer Cross because he's totally different from the other two that I just mentioned. With Athena and Keith Lee, I'm thinking about all the matches they can have outside of uh, WWE. For Keith Lee, I want to see him have rematches with guys like Tomoyuri Ishii or get in there with like the best of New Japan, whether it be Koto Obushi or Kazuko Okada, the best of AEW, whether it be Kenny Omega, 
uh, you know, some guys he's already versed like Adam Cole, but I love to see him in there with like uh, Eddie Kingston and Miro and stuff like that. With Athena, I love to see that Thunder Rosa match, her against Burt Baker, her against Deanna Parata, Chelsea Green. There's a whole bunch of wrestlers I want to see them. Killer Cross, I just want to see his character be able to be his character again because yep. they were on the money with that character on NXT for a, for a good like six to seven months that he first got there. And then it totally just fell off when they allowed Adam Cole to cut a real promo on him. And then, yeah. It just, it just, and then they it just, gave him a, a gift mask and everything oh, and else. I'm not even talking about when we go to the main roster because that was just that was just uh, raping and pillaging him uh, basically after after they already let him down in NXT when, it, when they allowed Adam Cole to rip him apart on the mic and then everybody got a big spotlight shine on all of his weaknesses. This is a guy that is just a great talker, a great character. He's just got a, an aura and a presentation that's so unique from everyone else out there. I want to see him be able to be in a company like an impact wrestling, like an AEW and even a new Japan and MLW MLW would be very interesting with what they're doing right now. A killer cross character coming in there would be great. I just want to see him be able to not be purposely ruined. Like, that's what it felt like. It felt yeah. like from the moment Adam Cole cut that promo on them, they did everything to tear down what they built with, with Killer Cross. And it wasn't even what they built because they just let him do what he was doing outside the company. They let him do it in NXT for almost a year, and it was working, and he was like the top one of the new top stars that they made, and then they tore it all down, and yep. then they just raped and pillaged him when he got called up to the main roster. So I want to see him set free. So those are my three names, Athena, Keith Lee, Killer Cross. Yeah, uh, purposeful sabotage is, is exactly what it feels like they did with Killer Cross because that is a guy that seems tailor-made for WWE success. Great character. Great presence. Like you said, got an aura about him. The first time that he entered in an NXT, everybody was hooked. Everybody was yeah. talking about Karrion Cross and Scarlet and that presentation and the domination that he displayed in the ring. And then he got hurt, right? He had like that separated shoulder. And most people would have got surgery and would have been out for months and months and months. This guy just literally worked out and worked his way through the injury and was back within three months and recaptured the NXT championship and went undefeated and was this great presence and this great can't miss. I don't even want to call him a prospect, but you know, when you're NXT, you, that's what you're called. Can't miss main roster prospect. Just bring him up, insert him into the main roster and go all you had to do. And they messed it up big time. Big time, huge, messed it up. And it's like, how, how do you how do you miss? How do you swing and miss? It had to have been done on purpose. And and yes, until until uh, I saw the announcement that Athena was going to be facing Thunder Rosa, which it's almost like somebody read my Twitter feed, by the way, because that like I tweeted out several times over these past 90 days. Damn, I just want to see Athena and Thunder Rosa go down at each other. And it it's going down. They're actually doing it. Her first match back is against Thunder Rosa. And Thank the wrestling gods for it. Can't wait to see that. That's going to be available on Fight TV. Um, and I will definitely be watching that matchup. So that's what she's doing next. I would love to see her in AEW, but I'm with you. I want to see Killer Cross 
have a platform, a major platform where he can just be this character. That vignette or that that promo that he released out on his own Twitter where he looked like Wolverine with the leather jacket and he looks great with the hair, looks much better with the hair than the bald look. I mean, it was such a great presentation of him. Yeah, give me him an AEW. I know everybody says, oh, let's see this person in AEW, man. Let's see this person in AEW. No, I'm, 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 give me Killer Cross on a major platform and just let him be him. And this will be AEW's success because they will let him succeed and not actively do everything they can to make sure that he fails. We do appreciate you guys listening to the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast. Make sure uh, while you're here, give us a thumbs up. Make sure to also, if you're watching on the YouTube channel, to hit that subscribe button. Trying to work our way up to monetization. Really appreciate your guys' help with that. And turn those notifications on so you know when every single one of our interviews and episodes and everything else uh, drops. And, of course, you can also follow us on the social media. They're right there on the screen. But for those who are listening on the podcast channel, at Rick Uccino, R-I-C-K-U-C-C-H-I-N-O, and at True Heel SP3. And True is without the E. So it's T-R-U-H-E-E-L-S-P and the number Three And of course, yes, subscribe to the True Heel Heat YouTube channel while you're on YouTube as well. SB3 got a lot going on uh, over there as well. So we appreciate you guys. Uh, we will be back unless something else major happens and we, uh, we, we need to do an emergency podcast. We will be back with you guys Monday morning at 7 a.m. We appreciate you guys listening to the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.